Well, again, we're so glad you're here. If it's your first time here, if you're a first time, we're so glad that, that you're with us, and we just want to be a blessing to you. Uh, you should have received a bulletin when you came in. In that bulletin, there's notes that go along with the sermon. There's also a connection card, and you can fill that out and put it in the wooden box out in the foyer, and we would just love to know more about you, send you a thank you card. Uh, and as far as that goes, any of you, if you have a prayer request, you can put it in that connection card and put it in the offering box and outside, and we will uh, have people praying for you uh, this week. Um, as far as all of our small groups go, we really encourage you to get involved. And here, uh, first of all, we have a weekly email that we send out with all the links to sign up. If you do not get the weekly email and you would like to, write your email address and put it in the wooden box out there, and we will add you. Um, but again, they start here in a couple weeks. Uh, today, again, we have our growth track, and I know we have a number of people signed up for that. If you want to go from just attending to becoming involved, this is the perfect way to do it. We meet upstairs uh, right after church service, and uh, you get a free meal and listen to me talk for about 45 minutes, and I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty good deal. So no commitment. We don't lock the door. There's no snakes. There's nothing like that, okay? So we're, we're, we're excited about that. You know, we're excited because, uh, you know, we have over 300 volunteers that serve every month just helping out in different areas and a lot of times people think uh, well the church is growing and growing getting bigger they don't need me but honestly we need everybody we need everybody to pitch in and contribute contribute and you know once you get involved and start doing something the church will mean more to you it, it really will it'll you know it's kind of like if you put money in the stock market you know if, if you put all your money into Walmart like everything you have into Walmart You'll be at Walmart picking up trash, greeting people. I mean, you'll be doing everything you can to help them, you know, to help them. And so, uh, you know, what you put in is also what you get out. We believe that you should know people uh, when you come to church. So, anyway, so all that's going on. Also, when we finish today, if, uh, if some of the guys, we get about 15, 20 guys to help stack all the chairs up. We have stuff going on in here all week, open gym and stuff like that. So, anyway, let's ask God to help us. Lord... <clears throat> We, we believe your word is life-changing. We believe uh, that it's the blueprint for our lives. And the closer we can align with your word, the more we can learn about it, the more we can obey it, uh, the better our lives will go. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate your word today. God, I pray that, that as we read scriptures and talk about some, some things this morning, that you would specifically speak some things into our hearts areas that we can improve on and things that we can uh, make progress in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we, we, I started a new series several weeks ago called The Wheel of Life, and they're going to put a graphic on the screen this morning. But uh, in this series, we're looking at how to bring balance into your life. And uh, basically, our lives are divided into seven major categories. Um, first is, and most important, is our spiritual life. And then there's our family, our family life, our marriage, our kids, our, our family. Then there's our financial life. And any way, you, any way you want to say it, you have to have money to live, right? You have to. And then there's our career or our work. And, and God wants us to, to be productive and successful in our career. And then there's our mental life, how we think, the thoughts that come through our mind, which is very, very important because you will never rise above your thoughts. Uh, then there's our physical body, and we know that the, the Bible calls it the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and we're supposed to take care of these bodies. 
And then, of course, there's our social life, uh, the people that we interact with. And, and all of these areas are just so important. It's the seven major categories of your life. Now, here's, here's the problem. Uh, we, we tend to focus on, these, on, on the areas, the spheres of life that we're really successful in, and we tend to stay away or avoid the areas that we don't feel like we're doing good in. It's just a natural, it's a natural human tendency. If we're good at something and if people recognize us for that, we put more time into it. And if there's an area of our life not going well, we just want to bury our heads in the sand and forget about it. Now, here's the problem. If you're good in some of these areas but not good in others, the problem is uh, the areas that you're weak in will drag down your life. You know, it's like, like the man who's made millions of dollars, who started all these companies, but he's on his fourth marriage and his kids won't talk to him. I mean, how much you know, how, how many of you know that when you lay in bed at night, he would happily give that one area of his life if his family talked to him. If it, and, and so that's the deal is we, 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 want, we want to be successful. God, God says, if you read the Bible, he says that true success is when we're living a balanced life and all the areas of our life come together and are healthy. So that's the goal. Now, as always, as I, I start talking this morning, I want you to understand that, you know, I'm just bringing things up trying to give you practical insight on how to help in each of these areas of your life. Uh, one time someone came up to me after service and said, man, your message was great, but it made me feel so bad. And uh, what I want you to know this morning is I never want anyone to feel bad. Not trying to beat anyone up. But if there's an area of our lives that aren't doing well, I believe the Holy Spirit is challenging us to address it, to speak to the elephant in the room, and, and, and with God's help, bring that back into order. Now, here, here's the interesting thing. What I have found is even though if there's an area of your life that's not going well, it probably took you years to tear it up, right? I mean, like you've been doing bad for a long time, okay? And... and when you come to God and give it to God, it usually doesn't turn around overnight. But you know, you know what I've noticed is that God is so gracious and merciful that when we give him an area of our lives, generally, he helps us restore it a lot quicker than it took us to tear it down. Okay, so just be encouraged by that. And, and, and just as I'm talking today and as we're reading scripture, just say, Lord, is this area of my life messed up? And if so, man, I want to come to you. I want you to be involved. I want, I want to turn this thing around. Because God, God doesn't want us to be at the bottom. He wants us to be at the top. He wants us to be successful. He wants us uh, to, to, to be blessed. So this morning, so far we've talked about, uh, just in general about this series, we talked about how to improve or how to raise your spiritual life. And, and today we're going we're gonna to tackle uh, the financial realm, the financial realm. And let me tell you the, the topic of this message, and we'll talk about it. I'll explain it. Is what I want to talk to you about today is how to reach financial abundance. I believe God clearly wants all of us to be blessed financially. And uh, so we're going to talk about this, and hopefully I'm going to give you just some practical tips that you can do uh, to bring that up. But there's a lot of confusion about the topic of money in the church and among Christians. You know, some, some churches and some ministries teach that, that money is a bad thing and we should have as very little as possible because it will corrupt you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's very, that's very, uh, that's a very good way to look at money after you read the Bible. Um, 
Because clearly in the Bible, poverty is a curse. I need a better amen than that. It is terrible. Yes, poverty is a curse. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, in, or Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 9, he says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And that's not just financial. First of all, it's talking about spiritual, spiritual blessing. But it flows into every area, uh, every area of our, of our lives. And I want you to think about this. Let's say if we all took the poverty mentality that God doesn't want us to have any money. So, so let me ask you this. If Christians worldwide did that, did, did, had that mentality, how would we have churches? How would we support missions? How would we help the poor? You know, there, not a week goes by that family life doesn't help somebody that's hurting, maybe in our church or outside, that can't pay their light bill, that can't do certain things, and we do that. We couldn't do that if you didn't have any money. So if we're all poor, how can we help others? How can we be a blessing to other people? Just, just something uh, to, to think about. If you're real big in the po poverty message, then, you know, you, you can stay there, but I'm, just th I'm, I'm suggesting that God perhaps has a better plan. Then on the other extreme, there's the prosperity message. And, uh, you know, they basically teach... Uh, that God wants everyone to be financially wealthy. And although I, I agree with a lot of the principles in the prosperity message, I don't necessarily care for how it's projected. And basically what they end up doing is they end up saying, you need to give more so you can get more. God asks us to be generous, but we should never give something to get something. You know, when we help people, it's because we're blessed and they're not right now. You know, when we, when we give to church, when we give to missions, you know, we ought to be giving, like if you gave today to build this church, you ought to be giving because, man, hopefully over the next 10 to 15 years, hundreds of people will be saved and baptized in that church. I mean, that, that's the goal. And so you, I understand the Bible, and there is a principle of sowing and reaping, and if you do give, there is a current that, that, that blesses you in return. But if you give to get, uh, that, that's, that's a, another, a different problem. I believe a more balanced approach to understanding God's view on personal finances and money is needed. And I believe, what, what I believe after reading the Bible, I believe that the word abundance uh, is, is much more in line with God's perspective on money and our finances. And here's what the term abundance means. It means to have more than you need, to have enough for yourself, so you have enough. If your kids need a pair of pants, you have enough to buy them a pair of pants, you know? If, if you need something, you have enough to, to pay for what you need to live but you also have enough left over to help other people. So enough for yourself and enough, enough to, to help others. I believe there's two statements that clarify what God wants for you, uh, for your family and the financial realm. And, and listen, when, when I say these two things, you can write these down because I, I promise you, I assure you over and over in the Bible, it says that God wants two things for us in the financial realm. Number one, God wants you to have enough to meet your needs. Can you say that? Say, say, God wants me to have enough to meet my needs. Second thing, God wants you to have enough money to help other people. And so those two things, and you could sum up this state, those two statements with this one statement, that God, God wants you to be self-sufficient and generous. Now, by self-sufficient, I don't mean that you're independent of God because we're always supposed to be dependent upon God. By self-sufficient, I mean that you have enough that you're not having to ask people to help you. 
You're not having to make it because of a government program. Uh, you know, I'm not against government programs helping people, but if you're using a public uh, a government program, it, it means you're impoverished, and I don't want you there. And so that you're, you can take care of yourself and that you're generous to others. Let, let's read some scriptures. 3 John 1, 2, it says this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And I think that's pretty clear. And be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, I'm going I'm to do something uh, that I don't normally do today. I'm going to read a long passage of scripture. Um, and and let, me, let me tell you why I'm going to read it, first of all. If you know the story that God sent Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, and, and he meant to take them right into the land in about an 18-month period, but they came to Kadesh Barnea, and they rebelled against God. They didn't believe his commands. So they wandered around the desert for 38 and a half more years. And now they're finally about to enter the promised land. And uh, they're on the east plains of Moab, overlooking, uh, you know, the, the Jordan River and going into the promised land. And Moses is fixing to die. He does not get to go in the land with them. And in Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy, Moses is recounting the law. Everything that God taught them at Mount Sinai, and, and, and he's telling them, you know, what they need to do. He's saying, God is going to take you to a land that you didn't work for, you didn't inherit, and it's going to be a good land, but you have to live the right way in the land. In Deuteronomy 28, it's an incredible chapter. Uh, Moses, Moses lays out the whole chapter. Half of it is blessings if they obey, and the other half, half is curses if you don't obey. And a lot of times as Christians, we, we like reading the first 14 verses, but the second half, I mean, that's not, you know, that's not too good. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, and I, I think it will make sense. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, it says this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all the, his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies that rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send blessings on your barns, on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you an oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience before him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and, and they will fear you. Now, I highlighted this. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the, lung, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God, I give you this day, and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top and never be at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands that I give you today to the right or the left, 
following other gods and serving them. So, you know, there's so many promises in, in this passage. I want to give you a couple. First of all, it says the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. That's more than money. God wants you to be blessed in your family life. He wants you to be blessed in your career. He wants you to be blessed financially. He wants you to be blessed emotionally. He wants you to be blessed physically. You, abundant prosperity where you have enough of yourself and, 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 and more left over. The second promise is this, a big promise. It says the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. What that's saying is there are certain times in, the, in our lives when we just need God to do something for us. There are certain seasons in our life where we need an answer, we need a breakthrough, and, and God says, listen, I, I will give you rain in due season when you need it, if, if, I'll open up the bounty of heaven to you. Can we even imagine what the bounty of heaven is? We can't because we think on survival mode many times. We got to get out of survival mode. God has more blessings than we have problems. Okay? And so we have to start thinking differently. Uh, the, the third promise is you will lend to many nations but borrow from none. The, la the last promise I want to talk about is that the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you had the choice of being the head or the tail, which would you choose? So you're with me. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. The, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be at the top and never be at the bottom. Now, these are incredible, incredible blessings that we can have. And there's only one condition. See, we read the Bible. We want the blessings of God without doing our part. And it was so simple for the Israelites. He said if he, over and over, if you fully obey all of my commands. So, I mean, that's an incredible thing. All they had to do was to obey the directions God had given them, and he had lined it out. I mean, if you read the first few books of the Bible, it's repetitive. It's over and it's over. How many times did he tell them, you will, when you go into land, you're going to tear down the altars of the nations before you so it won't become a snare to you? They didn't. When you come in land, I want you to drive all of them out so they won't be a snare to you and so that your children won't marry their, their kids. They didn't. I mean, there's just all, all these things. So what I want to say to you today, the blessings of God, all we have to do to receive the blessings of God as our life is just simply obey. It's not rocket science. It's not that hard. But how many know sometimes it is hard to obey? Right? And, and, and some of us, some of us, this, this little side note, I just want you to think about this. Some of us have a rebellious spirit. And any authority figure in our life, we always rebel against them. As a teacher, a parent, whatever. And, and so, you know what it takes to fully obey the commands of the Lord? You know what it takes? It takes humility. It takes humility. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to obey you because I want I want the blessings of God. So I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to give you three, three steps, three steps to uh, getting yourself to a place of financial abundance. Some of you may be there. Some of you may not be there. Uh, some of you may be in a bad position. But it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. God can turn things around quickly. But what we have to do is start obeying. So three, three steps to turning our finances around and getting that will of our, in, our, in our life, getting it healthy. 
Step one is the process of turning to God's Word, the Bible, and learning all the principles that He has given us to live by. Now, many Christians don't spend time reading their Bibles, so you don't even know what the Bible says about money. You don't know what the Bible says about how we should handle money, what we should do with money. And so the starting point, the starting point is not listening to what other experts say about money. The starting point is going to the Bible and just reading the simplicity of, of what God says, uh, you know, about, about money. God has promised if we obey his commands, we will be successful in every area, and that includes our finances. So we can do that. We can, we can learn God's principles. Proverbs 17, 16, it says this. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? Man, that just cuts right to the point, doesn't it? But, but the point is, is if you don't know anything about money, you shouldn't ask for more. And the first thing we should do is get wisdom on, on, on what God, how God says we should take our, take our money and spend our money and all these type of things. So wisdom is, is, is a, of course, the answer. Uh, many of you have heard my story many times, so I, I don't want to bore you with it, but we have new families here every week. So, you know, Trace and I, we, we got married at the ripe age of 20 years old. And, uh, you know, we were working hard. We were working full-time jobs, going to school full-time. And, uh, we, I mean, we were happy. I, I, I would go back and do all that over again. But, you know, the one thing I noticed is, you know, when you're college students and working, you just don't make very much. So we were like on in survival mode financially. I, I, I mean, we, we never went without, but every, you know, from paycheck to paycheck, you know, when you're only making like a thousand bucks a month, and that has to go for everything, uh, that, you know, that's not very much. So, man, it was, just, it was just stressful because we were trying our best to manage everything, but we, there just wasn't very, very much. And, and so... I started thinking about this. I started thinking, and, and I started praying. And I, I, I said, God, I, I just, you know, I don't want to live this way the rest of my life. I mean, I, I don't, you know, hopefully God gives me a long life and all that, but I don't want to live 80 years and always be stressed out about money. Um, and I started asking God, I just, I ask you to bless my family financially. I don't want to stay this way. You know, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to stay this way. And, um, but I made God a promise that, God, if, if you will bless my family financially um, and give us abundance where we have enough for ourselves and, and to give to others, I said, you know, I, what I promise to you is I, I won't squander what you bless us with. I, I, we will not squander it. We will not waste it. And then I went a step further. I started reading everything the Bible said about money. And then I went a step further. I started reading all the Christian experts. I mean, God has gifted people in the finance realm and everything on, on biblical finance. And I started learning everything. Then, it's, it's been a long time ago now, probably 17 years ago, that Tracy and I, you know, the Financial Peace University that we offer here, Tracy and I went through that like 17 years ago, right when it first came out. And we just kept learning and learning. And my thought was this, if, if I get enough knowledge of how to handle it, then when God gives it to me, I won't waste it. If you ask for something, but you don't have wisdom on what to do with it, you will waste it. Not purposely, but you, you, you don't know how to handle it. You don't know, uh, you, know what, what's, what, you know what's going on. So that's kind of my story. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a, a quote I want to give you. Here's, here, here's what you need to realize. The greatest determination of your future financial success 
is your ability to be consistent. And, and so here's, here's what the, the things that the Bible teach. Uh, the Bible is more like a crock pot instead of a microwave. Okay, so the crock pot, you know, Tracy's a teacher, so she goes, she puts stuff in the crock pot, you know, and it stays there all day. It takes like eight hours to cook, but it's good, right? And I always come home. And, and you know, why do they make those things like glass and they so loud? I, I, I have to lift the lid and smell. I have to. But she has warned me all my life that I'm not allowed to do that because it allows heat out and all that. And I'm like, oh, whatever. But I always come in, and she's waiting in the back room, and I lift that, and I, I'm like trying to put it down, you know, and I put it down. And I know she didn't hear it, and she comes in later. Did you open the lid? I think she just does that just because she doesn't trust me in that area. But anyway, so here's the thing. When, when, when I made this promise to God, it was 10 years into our marriage before I realized, hey, we finally are getting ahead. We finally have a little bit in savings. But it, it took a lot of years of, of, of doing So it, God's principles, you, you can't do them for a week and pray for a harvest. You ha when you learn the principle, you've got to do it for the rest of your life. Like consistency. If you will be consistent in the financial areas that God's Word teaches, I promise you, you will eventually become successful. That's it. Consistency is the key. Isn't that our greatest problem? That's our greatest problem. I mean, you can do the keto diet or whatever and lose 30 pounds in a month, but can you keep it off for the next couple years? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of live life like a yo-yo. We're up, we're down, and consistency is what gets, the, what, what gets the reward. Step two. So step one is we just have to learn what does the Bible say about money? What are God's commands so that I can actually obey them? If you don't know what to do, if you don't know what God's word says, you can't, it's impossible to obey. Number two is this, is it all comes down to management. I, I hope I'm not boring you this morning. I just know that so many people struggle with finances. Step two is it all comes down to management. Uh, you know, we have identified seven categories in our lives that are, that are all, that are the major areas. And here's what I want to say to you. The areas in your, of, of those sphere that you're doing really well in, it's because you've managed them well. And the areas that aren't good, it's because you haven't managed them well. You haven't managed them well, and they, they just kind of uh, took a plummet. So it's all, it's all about, about management. And uh, financial success has nothing to do with how much money you make, but how you manage what you make. There's, there's a story in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, and it's called the parable of the talents. In Matthew, it, he calls them, it's, it's, instead of talents, it's bags. And uh, so a rich, a, rich, a rich owner was going away, and he left some of his property with, with servants. And he, to one servant, he, he gave five bags of gold. To, the, to another one, he gave two bags of gold. And the third one, he gave one bag of gold. And it's very important. It says, each according to their ability to manage it. So the one with... There was a reason why the one who got one didn't get five. There's a reason why the one that got two didn't get five, okay? And he's their ability. And he went away, and when he came back, he called him in to give an account. The one that had made, had, was given five made five more. The one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had the one bag of gold, uh, he went and dug and put it in a hole in the ground. Now, we think that's pretty dumb, but quite honestly, that was the custom of the day. 
There weren't banks. Wait, wait, you know, I mean, there were banks, but it wasn't like we had today. And so many times you would bury something in a safe place so that if people came and raided your territory, they wouldn't take your possessions. They didn't know where it was, okay? But he, he, it's funny, he was so proud of the first two, the one with five bags and two bags, they, they, they had done well with it. But to the last one he said, man, you wicked and lazy servant. You could have at least gained interest on it and give me something back. And he says this, he took the bag of the one and he gave it to the one who had, had five and doubled it. So now he's got 11, right? And it, it, it's very interesting. And he says this, he, he makes a statement. He who has will have more and he who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken from him. And so there, there's, there's a management a management principle here that we, that we have to look at. The principle goes like this. Even if you don't have much, but if you learn how to manage it, it will increase. So right now, if you're not making very much, if you learn how to manage it, it will increase. But if, if, even if you, if you have a lot or little or whatever, if you manage it poorly, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to decrease. It's just, it's just a, a spiritual law. Now, let me, that's a spiritual principle, a spiritual law. Let me give you, let me give you a human law a human principle, okay? We've all been guilty of this. Here, hum, human, humans, uh, human nature has a flaw, and here's the flaw. We always think that more is the answer. We always think that more is the answer. If I make more money, my problems will go away. The problem is that when we make more, we just spend more. Come on now. I got a lot of research. I can send you Google articles and all kind of things. The first thing people do when they get a raise or a bonus is they go buy a car or a bigger house. Now, the house they have is fine, but they just need a bigger one. And so all the increase that came in is now gone because you spent it on something that you really, you really didn't need. So all the research in the world uh, uh, points to that. And so the answer is to learn how to manage what we have. So right now, don't focus on increasing your income. Focus on learning how to manage what you, what you already have. If you manage what you have well, it will increase. God will give you more. He'll bless you, okay? So there's three things under management I want to talk about real quickly, and I know they're not going to be popular, but they're necessary. How many of you have a lot of stuff in your life that you don't like, but they're necessary? Okay, three of you. All right, I'm happy about that. Okay, the first thing, the first thing is under management is, is that, that you need to have a budget. And a budget is just a spending plan that tells your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. How many of you ever got paid on the first and on the third, you're like, where'd it go? Right? That's popular, huh? And so what you do is the spouses blame each other. What did you do? What did you do? And the truth is they both did, okay? They both did, and it, and it, and it went fast. Um, it, you may say, Terry, I hate having a budget. I, I agree. A budget is a pain in my backside, but it's necessary. My dad listens to my, my dad was a pastor. My brother pastors his church, and so my dad listens to all of our sermons. And so my dad calls me one day, and I, I was talking about budgeting or something. He's like, Terry, I'm 75 years old. I've never had a budget. And I thought for a minute. I said, well, Dad, you're strange. Dad, you are, you're, you're one in a million. He laughed. Dad, you're one in a million. You are a tightwad. I'm talking to the man that if he goes to a restaurant, won't order, won't order a drink because they don't want to pay $2 for a glass of tea, and won't upgrade to a baked potato for $1.50. I mean, that's not, that's, 
when I go off to dad, I'm paying. Please get the baked potato. Get the, get the baked potato. I, I'm not paying a dollar fifty for a baked potato. But most of us, most of us, if we don't have a budget, we're going to mess things up really bad. And it keeps getting worse and worse, and we're scared to even look and see where we're at. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plan of the diligent. The plan of the diligent lead to, lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Okay, spontaneous spending, spontaneous things. And, and so you have to have a plan. What do we have coming up next month? What do we have coming up next year? I mean, I tell you all the time, Christmas is, is always in December. We can plan for it, right? It's always in December every year, you know? And uh, I, I want to, I if you don't know how to budget, if you've never done that before, I, Dave, Dave Ramsey at DaveRamsey.com, he has an app called Every Dollar. And this app is a free app. Now, if you want it to do more things, you pay $10 a month. And you can link it to your account and put a budget in there, and it will tell you. You have $500 allotted for food. You are at $475. Beans and rice, right? No, I won't say that. But it, it alerts you before you overspend. So that's something you can use. The second thing, so we got to manage well. you got to have a budget. And the next thing we have to realize is, is, that, is that debt debt keeps you in poverty. Debt keeps you in poverty. And, and here, here, here's the thing. We... We, we've been raised in a nation that borrows for everything. You can lease to own a pet today. You get lease, lease to own wedding rings. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just the credit is out there, but we don't understand that, that the Bible says that debt is a curse too. And debt, debt keeps you in bondage. So, again, the reason that most Americans never get ahead financially is because they've allowed themselves to get overloaded with debt. We borrow literally for everything, and so all that we make goes to paying our debt, and it's impossible to get ahead. I mean, think about this is just the average. The average graduate, when you graduate from college, they owe, they owe at the, the average is 33,000 student loans, okay? And so, but then most of them have credit cards too, and then they have to go buy a car so that they can drive to work, and then they end up marrying somebody just like them. But it gets worse because then they want to have a family. And so literally they have so much debt that everything, everything that they, they make goes and, and they, they, can never, they can never get ahead. They're always, they're always um, you know, in trouble. Um, there, there's a new book out. It's by um, Chris Hogan. He works with Dave Ramsey. He's the retirement section. And it's very interesting. About 20, 25 years ago, there was a book called The Millionaire Next Door, and it just talked about, you have people living around you that are millionaires, you don't know it because they're the way they live. So he redid this, and I thought the stats were very incredible, but today there are 11 million millionaires in America, and 90% and, uh, of them are first-generation rich. 90% of them didn't inherit anything, they just... They stayed out of debt, and they saved money consistently. Most of them became millionaires just by putting into their company 401k plan. Their company matched them, and they just doubled down on that, and they did that for 35, 40 years. Didn't study debt. But more importantly than that, do you know, do you know where the, most of these people, they went to state schools and junior colleges. They didn't go out of state and, and get thousands of dollars of debt. They didn't go places they couldn't afford. They, went, they stayed at home. They worked. They worked while they went to school, and their, home, their living was paid for, and they got ahead. They got out of school. 
uh, you know, with, with, without any debt. So even this, this blew me away. Guess what the three highest occupation of millionaires in America are? Number one, teachers. Come on now. You know you got to be doing something right if you're getting, become a millionaire on a teacher salary. Teachers, engineers, and accountants. So it wasn't, it wasn't rock band musicians. You know, it, it wasn't athletes, you know, although you can do that. So look at Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. One time I read that scripture and I had someone call me during the week and they wanted to argue with me about that. And I said, well, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll argue, I'll debate. He says, listen, I owe things, but I'm not a slave to anyone. And I said, well, okay, don't pay your house next month. Well, they'll take my house. Well, that's my point. That's my point, you know. I thought I won, but they didn't think I won. I don't, you, you, I'm going to let you be the judge on that, okay? Um, so, again, I encourage you. I, I encourage you. Here in about three or four weeks, we're going to start our FBU Dave Ramsey class. We have, we've taken about 100 couples through that. We have had people pay off $100,000 in debt. We've had people pay off their businesses. It. You know, the thing is, if you're doing bad, you're scared to do that because you're worried that you're going to be embarrassed. There's nothing embarrassing about doing better in life. There's nothing embarrassing. So I encourage you strongly to take that class. Number three is that saving protects your future. As you start to save money, it protects you when the emergencies pop up. How many know that something unexpected always pops up? Your, your car breaks down, so instead of having a financial chaotic meeting over it, you just get it fixed. Your air conditioner breaks down in June, and you just get it fixed. So an emergency fund, it eliminates the stress that comes with something unexpected pops up because it always will. Proverbs 21.20, it says this, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So the Bible says that if everything comes in, if, if everything we bring in goes out and we don't save anything, that that's, that's kind of foolish. Well, it doesn't say kind of, it's just, that's, that's foolish, okay? So step three, our last step here this morning, step three is that you got to bring God into your finances. Let me ask you a question. How come if we've given our lives to Jesus and we've asked him to come and be the Lord and Savior of our life, how come we put areas of our life off limits to God? Well, why do we do that? Are we embarrassed? Are we scared? He's not, listen, God is not mad at us. He wants to help us. He wants us to be blessed. Um, so, so many Christians have not allowed God to be a part of their finances. And here, here's some ways we know. We make decisions without praying. Uh, we're not following the plan that God has laid out in the Bible. And so all of the weight and all of the financial stress is on our shoulders because we've chosen to do it without God. When we bring God into the equation, he's there with us, supporting that weight. When we start obeying what God says, man, we, it, it, it's on him because it's his job to, to care for us and to provide for us. So let's review really quick. First of all, educate yourself by learning biblical principles. We have to learn what's in the Bible about money. The next thing is we have to learn how to manage our finances. Managing is the key. Develop a spending plan debt reduction and savings. And the third thing is to bring God in to help you, bring him on board, involve him in your finances. And, you know, the first step to doing this is to learn about tithing. 
I believe in the Bible there's 29 references to, to tithing. And tithe, you may not have even heard of that. And if you haven't, there's, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. You just haven't heard of it. Um, but tithing is when, we, we, when God blesses us with income that we take the first 10% and we give it back to him. And what's really interesting is uh, we have a different view of that today. But the Israelites, they had to take their tithe all the way to the temple. Even if they lived away, they had to take it all the way to the temple. And they would bring their tithe and give it to the Lord as part of their worship. Tithing was worship. Tithing was saying, God, it's not all about me. It's about you. I'm bringing you this. I'm bringing the whole tithe to you to honor you. And because I respect you and because I trust you and because I bless you and I know you'll bless me in return, but you get the first. You get the first. And, and I think sometimes we've gotten way, way around that. And, you know, so the thought is, is we bring 10%, but God says that I'll bless the 90 and make it more than you need. And, and so you can have 90 with God's blessing or you can have 100% and you're on your own. I would take the previous thing. So very, very important. If you don't know about that, you can start reading about that. And let me read one scripture. There's, again, so many, but Malachi 3.10, it says this, that we're supposed to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. For them, it was a temple. For Christians today, it would be the local church, wherever you get fed spiritually, that there may be food in my house. Again, if there's not food in God's house, how can the house of God take care of people, help people? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for it. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you a sad stat. Uh, research today confirms that now we have 370,000 churches in America. We have millions of people attending church every week. Only 9% of people attending church all over America in all those houses of worship today, only 9% of them honor God with the tithe. So see, we have been, we've been breaking one of God's commandments for our lives. And we're suffering the consequences of that because if we don't obey God, if we're not going to follow God's commands, then the blessings that we want are, are not going to come. So remember, when you start doing these things, remember what I said earlier, it's about consistently. Anyone can do it for a week, a month, three months. Can you do it consistently? Can you honor God consistently? Can you manage your, your finances uh, consistently? I'm going to have the worship team come. Now I realize today closing. I realize today that, that, that many of you may be struggling with finances. Some of you may be doing really well financially, but I, I just, I want to tell you, if you're struggling, I've, I've been there before. Trace and I lived through that, but I, I'm telling you, if you will start obeying God's commands regarding finances, I promise you over time, God is going to start taking care of that. He's going to start turning things around, uh, and, and it's never too late to turn things around. We serve a miracle-working God. Did we not hear a testimony this morning about how cancer is there and it's not there anymore? And, and so it, it's all about the God we serve, and, and it's, not, it's not about us. I want to ask you to stand this morning. I, I believe the number one thing is we have to bring God into the equation. We have to say, God, I don't, I've been doing this area of my life by myself. I don't want to do it that way anymore. Would you just close your eyes? We want to finish here in prayer this morning.
You know, I believe that any time that we learn something that we didn't know or any time we feel the Holy Spirit challenging us, I believe it's, it's, it's God coming into our lives and just challenging us in an area. And when, when we respond to that, what we're saying is, God, I hear you. God, I believe you. God, I need help in this area of my life. I don't want to be the tail. I want to be the head. I don't want to be at the bottom. I want to be at the top. I, I want to be blessed coming in and going out. I want abundant prosperity to be upon my life, and it's not that way now. And so if you need God to do a, a financial miracle in your life, and, and you're saying, I'm taking responsibility. I'm here because of what I've done, but I'm invoking God to come and help me. I'm, in, I'm invoking God to bless me. And I'm willing to do my part. I'm willing to obey. I'm willing to follow him. Would you just raise your hands this morning? And we're just going to pray for God to just begin to turn things around. God, this morning, we come to you, and we're talking about the financial area of our life, a major area in our life. And God, all of these with hands raised, God. Lord, we're just crying out to you, saying that we need you in our life. We can't do it on our own. Please forgive us for trying to do it on our own. God, forgive us for, for acting independently of you. And God, we're committed to learning your ways and your commands. We're committed, Lord, to these things we talked about today. But God, we're asking you to come and get involved in our lives, God. And we're asking you to do a miracle in our lives, God. Help us. Give us insight. Give us wisdom, Lord God. Lord, we, we don't want to be under a curse, God. We want to be under your blessings. We want the bounty of heaven opened up to us, Lord, to give us rain in season, to bless the work of our hands, God. And so, God, I pray all fear right now. God, I pray that faith is arising in your house this morning, God. And I, I, I pray that we would, we would trust you and have faith in you because you're the only one who can turn this area of our life around. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. So listen, as you as you're just we're just as we